Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different, different. This is NOCO FM. Please don't go. I need you so I... Hello, feminist friends and feminist curious listeners. Welcome to Feminist Hot Dog, the podcast about finding joy through feminism and living your best feminist life. And speaking of living your best feminist life, I want to give a shout out to my girl, Amelia Ruby of 50 Feminist States and to all the fans out there who participated in the Best Feminist Live 2020 celebration in the month of January. It was so fun and so inspiring, and I can't wait to do it again next year. In fact, I don't think we should wait. So Amelia and I are looking at how we might be able to pull all those daily prompts and mantras together into some kind of workbook or zine. We haven't quite figured that out yet, but stay tuned. And if you want in on that action, go to feministhotdog.com and sign up for the newsletter. And I will make sure you are in the know when we release the 30-day celebration in whatever format it ends up being. It was rad. I mean, I might be biased because I wrote the emails or rather Amelia and I wrote them together. But even though I knew what they were going to say, I still loved getting them every day because um, apparently that's how big of a feminist nerd I really am. So there's that. But now getting down to the business of today's episode, um, and thank you for waiting a week. I got overwhelmed last week and had to postpone the episode to this week, but it's uh, worth the wait. It's a really inspiring one, whether you are sober or not. My guest for the third and final installment in the series on feminism and sobriety is Jocelyn Harvey, and she is the author of a great book called Recovering the Home, which you can purchase at her website, and I highly recommend it. So far in this series, I've talked with Holly Whitaker about why most recovery modalities can feel like they aren't designed for women because they aren't. And with Nina Sarhan about the realities of being a sexual assault survivor and why that goes hand in hand with drinking for so many women. The perspective Jocelyn adds is really interesting, I think, because she focuses not only on recovering your body and your mind, but your space. And I love the framework she created to help other women take the steps she took to recover her home. So without further ado, here's Jocelyn and her recovery story. I got sober in January of 2016. And I removed alcohol from my life because at the time, um, I got sober fairly young, right before my 25th birthday. And essentially from the time I graduated until the time I got sober, I was more or less drinking every single day, pretty heavily binging on the weekends. I was not going to work a lot of the times. I just had really bad mental health as well. And it just, it was so compulsive. And I never even thought to stop drinking or really limit my drinking. I just assumed, well, this is something I have to keep doing. I'll just try to be more functioning at it. And the morning, like I got sober, I just kind of woke up and clicked. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like my body was giving out. Um, Mentally, again, I was just in a really bad place. So yeah, it seems like I I just kind of came to recovery and sobriety all of a sudden, even though there was like a lot of bumps and bottoms. I knew from following Jocelyn on Instagram that AA was part of her recovery, but that her recovery was also a holistic lifestyle, something that she cultivated the way many people might cultivate their artistic or their spiritual lives. 
And in some ways, those three things, art, recovery, and spirituality, are all very much intertwined for her. I have a really mixed bag of recovery tools. When I got sober, I really started in 12 steps and that was the foundation. So a big part of that too is the community, you know, being able to see other sober people, talk to them, even if it's not talking about recovery, it's just nice to have that, you know, shared connection where you just kind of already understand so much about each other. Another big tool recently has been in the past like year and a half therapy. And it's gone down. I used to go weekly and then every other week and now monthly. And I go for different reasons. And it's just a really good place to just be able to, you know, word vomit my thoughts with someone who doesn't know me like on the outside and can just give a really, you know, objective view of what's going on with my life. Um, That's been really supportive. And I also do a lot of, you know, spiritual work, whether it's guided meditations, shadow work. That was really helpful to, um, you know, unblock a lot of that shame. And yeah, just like being able to have a lot of things is really good for me as well, because I don't lean on them equally. Like there's times I'll really be doing a lot of shadow work and then there's times I'll be doing more therapy and meeting. So just being able to have that variety to choose from is really great. I'm just going to jump in here and say that if you're not familiar with shadow work, That's a Jungian term that refers to a psychological process that allows us to see and work with aspects of ourselves and our personalities that we may be unconscious of. And then, you know, finally, just on a really practical note, though I sometimes play fast and loose with it, sleeping's really important to me. I noticed around like a year sobriety, like I was still like dealing with depression. I like really couldn't figure out what was going on. And I noticed that the later I stayed up at nights, the more things just started to like go downhill quickly. And the less I did that, I noticed that my depression really got a lot better. So that's um, a pretty strong focus. But I'm also at a place in my recovery where like if I have a few nights where I like stay up late, I don't beat myself up over it. It's It's been a journey trying to figure out all the tools and when to use them. But it's nice to have a lot. I first got to know Jocelyn as a writer for The Temper, which is the newsletter associated with Tempest Sobriety School, both of which were founded by Holly Whitaker. I started following Jocelyn on Instagram, where she posted as sharing my sobriety. And she quickly became one of my favorite sobriety accounts because she was just the right amount of Instagraminess, I guess, meaning her photos were beautiful, but also she wasn't so perfect that they made me feel bad. Her captions and her vulnerability mixed with really solid advice were what mostly drew me in. Yes. So when I originally started, it was called seltzer sobriety, just because, you know, once you get sober, that's what you have to drink all the time. (laughs) It is. It's the lifeblood. So much so that whenever I see people out that have tons of seltzer and like just that in their car, I'm like, you're sober, aren't you? (laughs) But so, yeah, I changed it to sharing my sobriety just because that's literally like what the account is. It's just really like sharing where I'm at. And I try to share in a way of like, hey, this is how I manage my sobriety and what has worked for me. Every now and then I would I would be a little like you should do this or that. But, you know, we all need to figure out what works for us. And in sharing my sobriety, it was a lot of just sharing things that maybe aren't like directly linked to drinking, especially because it's been a few years, but how certain areas in my life can impact, you know, my mental health and and thus my sobriety if I, if I don't keep an eye on them. So yeah, that's why I wanted to call it that. 
And why I share about it is I've always been a writer since I was little. I've always been open, sometimes maybe in my life a little too open, but I just wanted to share, you know, what's going on with me in life, in particular, maybe the things that aren't so great, just because as a society, it's like, don't share those things, always be positive, you know, keep everything under covers. And we're all, you know, at times in our life suffering from certain things. And just to be able to know like, oh, that person's also going through that as well. And this is how they got through it. And what I'm going through is for me unique, but also also something that I don't have to go through alone. I think that's really powerful and why I wanted to be able to share that. One of the things Jocelyn used to post about a lot, she's pulled back from Instagram a bit in 2020, smart woman that she is. But when she was posting more, she would feature before and after photos of some of her decluttering projects. And these little home makeovers were always really intentional. Like she tied them to how she was feeling or something she wanted to accomplish. And often those things were also tied to her identity as a woman. And while we were talking, I found out more about why she's chosen to focus on women and write directly to women in recovering the home. I wrote a book slash guide, and it's a decluttering book for women in recovery. And I'm specific about that, of course, like everyone can read it and be able to to glean many things from it. But so much literature, you know, uses a lot of male pronouns, like exclusively. And being a woman, I wanted to be able to write to other women um, because there are differences that we go through. So my inspiration for writing it was actually just very divine is a funny word to say, but I was on vacation and I had a lot of free time and there wasn't really much chatter going up and I was walking around Florida and this thing just came in like a whisper and it was like recovering the home. I was like, oh, that's a great idea because at that time in my career, I was just really unsettled with it and didn't feel like I was using my writing talents or doing what I wanted to do. At that time, I really enjoyed organizing and was thinking, do I want to professionally organize? And, you know, all up in the air. And when I like got that title recovering the home, it was like, oh, great. I don't have to necessarily like go out and be in people's home. I can take my love of writing. I could take my love for like decluttering and organization and how it supported my sobriety and write for a lot of people. So that's really where the inspiration came from. It was just like a whisper somewhere in St. Petersburg, Florida. I chose inside the home because I'm just such a homebody. And when I drank, I I mean, I did a lot of drinking in my home, but I always felt I needed to be out, needed to be going to the bars and, and doing things. And when I got sober, it was kind of that relief of like, oh, like I can just stay in and relax. But at the same time, my house just had a lot of this energy from my drinking. And also, I've just always had a very, very strong connection to home. And I think that's because I've you know, moved around. I've had some like pretty big, I would call them maybe little T, big T traumatic moves in my life. And then I also was in boarding school before I went to college. So I've had a lot of years of just kind of not having a stable place to be, even if I was in a safe situation. So when I really like finally got my apartments, I was such a homebody about them and I loved caring for them. One thing I haven't said about Jocelyn is that she is a black woman who lives in a very white state. And this is relevant to her story for a number of reasons, but specifically it matters to what she shared with me next, which is really awful and really intense, 
and is also one of the things that cemented her focus in sobriety. If you Google me now, you'll find mostly my recovery writing. But if you go back maybe a page or two into Google, the fall before I got sober, there was a Klan member in Vermont and he targeted my home and a woman's home with a flyer being like, join the Klan. I just remember after that happening, like sitting in my home being like, I want to stay here. I love this place, but just also feeling well, my home had been violated. And it just made me realize like how attached I get to my spaces and how much I care for them. So all of that is really why I wanted to focus on the home. We come home after like work and when you're sober, you're not going to the bars all the time. Like even if you're still someone that goes out dancing with your friends and stuff, we spend a lot of time in our home. So it's we owe it to ourselves for it to be like a comfortable place where we can, you know, come back to and unwind in a different way that, that doesn't involve like wine and whiskey and beer. I mentioned that recovering the home is a framework, which is one of the things I love about it because it offers a mental model you can use again and again. And the simplicity of it means that someone like me, who is not naturally organized, can actually do it without feeling like I'm fucking it up or always about to fuck it up. And you can take as long as you want. So if you lose steam or get distracted, no big deal. No one's telling you you have to do it in a certain order or in a certain time frame. And yes, I'm looking at you, Marie Kondo. Anyway, enough about my domestic insecurities. Here's Jocelyn's framework. The steps, just to list them out first, are understanding, aligning, reflecting, and personalizing. With those steps, it's a mixture of either action or journaling. So in the understanding step, it's going into a space in your home and just being really honest, like, why do you I not like this space? Like, the closet's the first one I start with. Like, do I feel like fake when I look in my closet? Does my closet make me feel, you know, uncomfortable? And I want to do that because so much decluttering stuff is really just like going through your your rooms and being like, yes, no, maybe piles, which is really effective. But I wanted there to be a little more intentionality into why you're shaping your space and not just whittling down your items for the sake of it. So with the understanding, it's getting to the root of why you might not like a space and coming up with some negative phrases and owning those, but then quickly looking at, okay, what's the opposite? And that's the energy I actually want to bring into this space. I remember seeing Jocelyn post on Instagram about going through her closet, verbalizing why just looking in her closet didn't make her feel good, and what elements didn't make her feel good, and interrogating that. And it wasn't about the clothes per se, but about creating the feeling she did want in her space, which brings us to the next step. And then in aligning, that's the actual, you know, decluttering step. And Something that really sets this apart from like your normal one is not only are you going through your items with those for, you know, lack of better words, negative positive phrases, you also focus on anything in the space that reminds you of your drinking. So it could be something as obvious as if you have like one of those signs, it's like champagne for breakfast. 
you probably don't need that anymore in sobriety. Or it could be like more covert. I've used an example in the book. You have this like red bathing suit that nothing is wrong with it. And, you know, your friends would be like, that's great. But you remember, you know, the last summer you wore it, you like made a fool of yourself drinking and your partner was really mad at you and your kids didn't want to talk to you. So, you know, it's it's being able to let go of those things or in some cases, finding out how to have new relationships with them. In reflecting, there's some journal questions that just go through like, how did you feel about this work that you were doing? What kind of came up? You know, you see the changes you want to make. Are there reasons you're nervous about it? And it's just giving you some time to really process out all the work that you did before you go shopping. And I'm big on that because I've been doing a lot of decluttering stuff for a lot of my life. And I find there can be a tendency to, if you don't really deeply think about the work that you've done, you'll go out and just reacquire things that you worked so hard to get rid of just in a slightly different form. And then in the personalizing section, that is essentially either, you know, shopping for new things or thrifting them or, you know, revamping them. Like if you have a desk and, you know, wanting to paint it a different color. So those are the the four steps in recovering the home. Jocelyn was very intentional about the tone she used throughout her book, and it shows. She says she wanted it to feel warm and not shaming, much like the homes she's helping people create. She made it very clear in our interview that recovering the home is not about making your home look quote unquote perfect or transforming it into what she called a swoon worthy home that looks like it's set up for an Instagram photo shoot. Another thing I love about her is she's right there with you on the journey. This was the first year like I finally started making my bed in the morning and actually have a nice looking bed. It's just kind of getting like real with what makes you feel good and not trying to be out having this aspirational space. It's big work and you can go deep, but you also do not and should not do it perfectly the first time. When I asked Jocelyn if she considers herself a feminist, she gave me an answer I hear a lot, which is that she doesn't necessarily think of herself that way because she's not out in the streets rallying for women's rights. And far be it from me to thrust a label on anyone, but I do think her focus on writing for women has a feminist sensibility that stood out to me when I first got to know her work. My multiple identities, you know, as a woman in recovery, and if I'm in like a 12-step room, I do identify myself as an alcoholic. But for people who, you know, aren't in that situation, you know, as a woman in recovery, and then also a Black woman a very black woman, as you will see in my photo. You know, those are my my really my two big identities and how that has gone into my recovery, especially as of late, is really addressing shame and bringing gentleness to the work that I do, even though it's very deep and necessary work to not add more, yeah, just to not add more shame on top of it or feeling less than, you know, it's very easy as a woman and a minority to have that already embedded into your life. And when you're doing recovery practices, and even certain spirituality tools, it's easy to like, layer that stuff on top of it even more. So, you know, those two identities really, really play into like, how I manage my recovery. Two posts in particular that are just very much, hey, these are for the ladies. How I talk about anger is very, like, you got to get angry or you got to allow the anger too. You know, when there's talks in recovery about sort of pushing down that anger, not going into it, that like, you know, you're not able to do that. I call BS on a lot of that, especially for women, especially for minorities. Like we are groups that, you know, historically have not been able to 
show our anger, certainly have that anger, like it's either kept us out of jobs, microaggressions, you know, in the cases of minorities, it can get you killed, honestly. And so I'm very big on, you know, talking about anger. It's like one of the many emotions, feelings that we go through and being really afraid of that is, I just think it can be extremely detrimental to your sobriety because you can get caught in that, like, um, I call it like performative positivity loop. <laughs> and I, I say that as someone who got stuck in it and just got like a huge smackdown from the universe of like, wow, actually, I need to do like a lot of work on things that I really am angry about. And now I'm like, all right, like gratitude journals, I can do that. But that's a big thing I talk about. And then like one that was, you know, really interesting to me, particularly as a woman, was this past year in January of 2019, I went off birth control, which I had been on for a really long time. And after some surgery this year, I had to go back on it. But in that nine months that I was off it, I really got to see like my emotions and my energy levels change and shift depending on like where I was in my hormonal cycle. And accepting that, like, oh, gosh, like the day I ovulate, I'm dead. I'm in bed. Like, I'm of no use to the world. And in the past, I would have been like, oh, gosh, if I'm like having a down day or feeling tired, that means I need to get my butt up and like do these things. Or if I was feeling really giddy, which I would usually do like after that day of feeling really down, like I'd be like, oh, no, I need to I need to meditate because I need to be mellow and balanced. And it really came to that understanding of I'm a woman. I have like this beautiful hormonal cycle that goes through so many ranges. We tend to only focus on like the rage and the crankiness and blah, blah, blah. But there's so many things that are going on. The idea of trying to be, quote, balanced, that's just kind of like silly as a woman and not that we're like unbalanced, but just there's so much that goes on, you know, biologically with us. I will say in a way, like, that's not what a lot of people talk about when they talk about sobriety. But I just wanted to bring something new for people to consider because it was really eye-opening for myself. There is a meeting that I do go to, and I reread from this book called A Woman's Way Through the Twelve Steps. And it's just, it just feels like honey on my soul because it really gets into these issues that women face that are different from, you know, men in the 12-step rooms and is very honest about it. And it gives a lot of examples. And because it's like an all-women's meeting, you know, we can talk about these things um, and, and, you know, be open about it. And sometimes I think like, oh, gosh, I'm like the only one feeling these. And to, to get a room for the women who also can relate to what's being shared, that just always, it always makes me feel really good. I knew depression and I knew sadness and I didn't know it at the time, but I had a lot of anxiety and now it's really great to have so many different feelings that can happen to me throughout the day. I asked Jocelyn what she thought needed to change to prevent women like her and me and countless, and I do mean countless others, from falling into the alcohol trap. I think just as a society is just being better about talking about our emotions, talking about the crap that's going on in our life, being able to say, I need help. I'm tired. I'm overworked. You know, that's everyone. But there's those that like further that level with women as well. You know, I'm not a mother. I've never had kids. And I can see working, you know, 40 plus hour weeks, coming home, taking care of the family, the running around, why so many women in that situation would turn to alcohol to want to calm down and mellow out. Like as a single woman in my early 20s, when I got sober, I didn't have all that going on and I still wanted to be able to shut down. So 
think just as a society, we just need a lot more support. And we also, in terms of alcohol marketing, just need to stop it and not like never market for alcohol, but like stop trying to use it as a thing that can mellow us out, that can make us more fun, that can make us forget about a breakup. That's just, it's really insidious and especially has as it's marketed towards women is really insidious and something that I I used to think which is like well no duh like drinking the way I was drinking didn't work is like I was trying to use it to do like so many things in my life to calm down to get myself fired up to like get over you know all the types of men I would keep going after that weren't working out and that's just not usually something that we do in life, like use one thing that's very addictive to try to fix all the things in our life. So again, like I think we need more support in sobriety. We need more space to be able to talk about everything that's going on in our life. And then we also just need to stop this marketing that we use for alcohol. Jocelyn is taking a step back from Instagram, but she's still writing and always evaluating what's working for her, what's not, What's the good stuff she wants to keep in her life? And where's the clutter that's weighing her down? I can just share when it feels good. This is not a job for me. And just to let like other things flow in my life, which I'm looking forward to in the next few months. And then with recovering the home, you know, I would love to do a follow up called Recovering the Wallet. That title actually came to me right when Recovering the Home came to me. And I was like, I'm going to start March of next year. And I just really am going to be like taking a step back from a lot of recovery writing, more or less, to focus on other areas of writing that have been interesting me and work on my craft there. And then just like when the time feels right, start working on some essays around money and sobriety. I'm, I'm a doer. I love doing this deep work and therapy and learning more about myself and I've also gotten better at realizing like I don't need to do these things all the time either. I could not sit on a couch without a bottle of wine and then some to relax and in sobriety I have gotten to a place where like that is just very easy for me and I think we can like overlook something because it's like oh you're watching TV like you know what are you doing to support yourself? But that is just an amazing thing from someone who used to drink a lot to be able to just sit on a couch and relax. So I would say like, yes, if you feel called to, like do the deep work, enjoy it. Also like, don't be afraid to just relax and just sit back. That's still just such a beautiful thing. I'm so grateful to Jocelyn for sharing her perspective with me and with all of you. And if you would like to follow her on Instagram, she is still... Uh, maintaining sharing my sobriety popping up here and there with posts occasionally. But you can also go to her website, recoveringthehome.com, where she blogs and you can purchase her book there as well and keep an eye on her other new projects. I also want to thank all of you for coming on this three episode feminism and sobriety journey with me. It's been a really great um, experience to share my sobriety with you. And I hope we keep the conversation going. I also want to point out that Feminist Hot Dog has a Patreon account and would really appreciate your support. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and subscribe to the Feminist Hot Dog newsletter or just drop me a line at feministhotdog.com. Let me know what kind of topics you would like to see covered on the show. As always, our theme music is by Ava Luna and Loyalty Freak Music. And this week's episode was edited by me. I look forward to seeing you in two weeks. Until then, love yourself and love your buns. Goodbye.
This has been a production of NOCO FM.